All right, let's open our Bibles quickly to Jeremiah chapter 10. All right, we are going to start reading from verse 6. Again, we are reading so as to drive out all the evil spirits in the atmosphere. So let's just pretend like we need to be firm with them in our declaration. So we're just going to read it together. If you have a new American standard, I'll prefer that. If you don't have, please share with somebody beside you. All right, we're going to read from verse 6. We're going to stop in verse 16. I'd like you to declare the glory of God. One, two, let's go. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Verse 9. Beating silver is beat protashish, and gold from offers. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled maintain. But the Lord is the true God, is the living God, and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. 11. Thus you shall say to them, because that did not make the heavens and the earth, we perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Twelve, it is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Fourteen, Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. He said, the portion of Jacob is not like this. The maker of all is he. And Israel, the Israel of God, is the tribe of his inheritance. And the Lord of hosts is his name. Once again, I declare that the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Amen. Say it like you believe it. Amen. Let's read verse 11 together. Now, you know what he said? Thus you shall say to them. Now, we are going to obey that. We will now say it. One, two, let's go. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. One more time. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the earth. For the last time. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. The gods that did not create Nigeria or establish its government, they will perish from politics in the name of Jesus. Amen. You declare it. The gods that did not make the earth, did not make Nigeria, did not make its government, they will perish from their influence in its politics in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus will be exalted. Amen. From the north to the south, Jesus Amen. will be exalted. Amen. From the east to the west, Amen. Jesus will be exalted. Amen. In every nook and cranny of this nation, in every corner and the center, Jesus will be exalted. Amen. Of, this, of the increase of his government, and of peace, we declare there shall be no end. Amen. Listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the advance of the gospel. Amen. The gospel will advance. Somebody say that. 
Say it. The gospel will advance. One more time. The gospel will advance. One more time. The gospel will advance. One more time. The gospel will advance. For the last time, the gospel will advance. Listen, God will send laborers into his harvest. Amen. They will go boldly to Bono State. Amen. Now, Imo State has joined places will now declare boldness for people to go to. They will go boldly to Imo State. Amen. So all those demons in Imo State, they are going into the Atlantic. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like I said, not where ships pass. So. You know, there are places where ships will pass. Not the areas where ships will pass. The center where nobody they pass. The place where Leviathan is still living. We cast all of them out of Imo into that, that area in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime you see all these kind of problems, all these... Um, disturbances. Don't think they are human. They are not human. And let's learn to analyze like Christians. These things are not human. They are spiritual. Again, we declare, as it is written, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take our declaration of understanding that we take our seat. One, two, let's go. given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? amen. All right, let's take our seat. The Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Now, this was um, when God came to visit on Mount Sinai, and he issued forth what we now call the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read the first few verses. Then God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. He said in verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. In verse 7 it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, or for a vain thing, using the Young's literal translation of the scriptures. He said, For the Lord will not leave him unpunished, who takes his name in vain. Those are the first three commandments. Now, I'm going to look at them one by one, but let me quickly just remind us of um, uh, what we have discussed here in previous times concerning what it means not to take the name of the Lord for a vain thing. It does not mean don't swear with the name of God. Now, please, I'm not saying you should therefore start swearing with the name of God. Sometimes people want to tell them, the Bible didn't say they start doing the opposite. I didn't say that. I just want to set this scripture again in proper perspective. What it means is that if you find a vain thing, which is an idol, he was talking about a carved image, don't place the name of God on it. Don't call it by the name of your God. 
don't change if you find Ashtoreth, a very beautiful image of Ashtoreth, or maybe the goddess Diana they used to make those days with silver, or are those silversmiths. Don't remove it. Say, we're now Christians, so this is no longer Diana. This is now Jesus Christ. I hope you're getting my point. He said, don't do that. That is what, that is, what is called um, taking the name of, thy Lord, of the Lord your God in vain. Okay? You are putting it on a vain thing. There are three commandments. The first commandment says, do not have another God. The second commandment says, don't doubt you have agreed, no other God. The second commandment says, don't make an image of the God that is the only one that you have. I hope you're getting my point. All right, the first commandment covers everything. Don't have another God. So we're not going to talk about Baalzebub or talk about uh, Amadioha or talk about Ogun or Batala or any of those um, by the gods they served those days. You won't have anyone. Don't. Now, the people have established that. They have accepted it. On the Lord Jehovah will be our God alone. They have agreed on that. He said, number two, don't try and make an image of him. God said to them that you, when you came to that mountain, did you see any form? No, you only heard a voice. So please don't make an image. Don't look and you see that the monkey looks like what God should look like. You don't agree with that. Don't go to the bottom of the ocean and say, no, you saw Leviathan there. Let's make an image carved like this and then you call it the name of God. Don't do that, okay? That was the second commandment. Don't ever make an image. Don't even make an image of a human being and place it there and say, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, and start bowing down to it. Many of us do it till today. There are some of our established churches, they can't do, the idolatry is so strong. And they will justify it every day. They can't pray without facing an idol. Let me just tell you, it's iniquity. Let's just get it clear. It's iniquity. You are not allowed to make the image of God that you will use in worship. You are not allowed to make the image of Jesus Christ that you will even use in worship. You know, Muslims even have their own. If you draw Muhammad by, by chance, for any reason, they will shoot you. But we're not like that. But we just know that our own focus is worship. Jesus existed as a person, okay? He had flesh, so we don't have any problem with people depicting him in movies. We, are, we, are we watch Jesus of Nazareth. We don't feel bad about it. Why? It's somebody who really lived. But we never use that in worship. Please, let me tell you, don't face a picture of Jesus Christ when you are praying. It is idolatry. Don't hang a picture of him on your neck for protection. It's a sin. Don't put a picture of him in your book when you want to read so you will understand. God is annoyed with you. Let's get it clear now. I hope you are getting my point. Because we do this and just become a habit. We think it's normal Christianity. You, if you like artwork, you know the way you can put a picture of a goat in your house? If you're a goat lover, you can put a picture of a python like Unduka all over your house. We don't have a problem with it. You can kill a python, skin it, use the snake, the skin to decorate the, the entrance to your house. Now I think we are coming to a bony man's house. Don't worry. We're not afraid. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> we don't have a problem with that. In the same manner, if you take a picture of what Jerusalem was like with Jesus preaching, and we have your Jesus there, okay, preaching, we don't have a problem with it. If you go and snap a picture from, from, from in an episode of, um, what do you call this thing, Passion of the Christ, and you enlarge it and fill your sitting room with it, a wall-to-wall mural, we don't have a problem with it. But the day you and your children mistakenly turn to face that his picture when you want to pray, you have walked into sin. 
Some of our churches will do that a lot. We just, we just put it there as if it doesn't. It matters. We put it on our stage. One day I saw a picture of a woman. You know, sometimes people make me laugh. See, if you want to be an idolater, it's not a problem. It's your life. I hope you're getting my point. But don't tell me it's Christianity. That's the one that offends my sensibility. It's very, very irritating. You go to a church, they have a, is it, is it, what they call that grove. Is it grove, they call it? And you see people actually kneel down in front of the statue of Mary and say they are praying. You're not a Christian. That is idolatry. You can be offended, switch off, don't listen to me again. You know it's your personal problem. I hope you're getting my point. So I won't give to this ministry again. Did I know you were giving before? <laughs> you know, around nonsense. But I must tell the truth. I will not because I don't want to offend you, not say the truth. People actually go and kneel down. I have pictures of it. They kneel and I've seen them physically. You go to a comment of a church, there's a, they, call, they actually use the word shrine for those things. You know, that's what they call them, shrines. Is that not so? Yeah, call them shrines. And people will kneel, spread out their hands in front of a statue of a dead woman and start praying. Whether you like it or not, you are walking in sin. And the soul that sins shall die. The fact that we don't have laws like the Jews used to have doesn't behave anyhow we like. You can wear a picture of the cross on your neck, not a problem. If you like to wear necklace, I used to wear necklaces those days. <laughs> I stopped for a reason which I can't say from the pulpit. <laughs> and you try to use the crucifix as your, <laughs> my son Victor inherited what I used to be like. Now Victor could dress up like Babalawo sometimes. <laughs> One day, one of my guys traveled to Ghana and came back because I was on that kind of sent him on the trip. You know, it was an official trip. So he brought me gifts. So what he brought was just things like a key holder, you know, and what do you call this? Thing? Is it bracelet? When I saw the bracelet, I said, "Once this gets home, victory is taking it." I just told myself. So I wore it, and I got home. He was the one that opened the gate for me. I was about to come there. I said, "Daddy, what is that?" I said, "Somebody came from Ghana. You know, they have a lot of those things there." And give this to me. Say, can I have it? I said, I was waiting for that. I removed it from me and I gave it to him. And right now, it's where it is over there. <laughs> we don't have a problem with it. If you try to carve a cross into you, I don't have a problem. But when you want to pray one day, you now stretch your hand to grab it. That is a sin. Let me say this to you to surprise you, if you did not know it before. You open doors for demons into your life like that. Sometimes I don't know how to persuade people. These are demonic doors you are opening. I don't care the name you want to call the idol. One day I went to a church. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Hey. And somebody returned the statue of Joseph that I kept for the last one month. Was it of Joseph or Joseph and Mary and his little baby? But it was mainly Joseph. Holy family statue. And the man of God in front said, Who, which family is taking it next? See, people were rejoicing. They now prayed that the blessing of the statue will go with them. I said, demons have just followed you home. I'm not kidding about what I'm saying. I was present. I was watching. I said, brethren, ignorance is horrible. Those statues are not empty. They are not empty. If you like, print Mary on it, print Jesus on it. You know, the small baby Jesus. Baby Jesus is one of the ugliest things that God sees in the universe. God hates the picture of your baby Jesus. He doesn't like it. You know the Jesus he likes? There are two of them. One on the cross, 
The second most important one, the reason one. And Paul said, henceforth we don't know him after the flesh. Please, I'm begging you. You know, Orthodox people did it one way. Then Pentecostals came, threw away all those things. After a few years, they began to make their own idols. Do you know some people, as stupid as this will sound, they will put a picture of their general overseer or their bishop on the wall. There's this, um, uh, what's the name? That fake prophet in Lagos that died recently. Do you know, born-again Christians were putting his picture in their homes. <laughs> if you want to put pictures, even if you say, Pastor, came to, go, for, 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 go to studio for me now. May I blow your picture up? <laughs> You want to put, first, putting picture for security, for prayer, whatever it is, is already a sin. Yeah. Now, let's, let's, let's not go to the fact that it's not, uh, it's not working. No. It displeases God. It brings demons into the house. That in itself, if the picture is here, yeah, the demons will come. If it's Bishop, demons will follow. If it is, uh, what's the name of FFM uh, uh, bros? If Jiki will look at demons will go. If it's banky, demons will fall. Whichever one you put. So I'm not trying to run anybody down. If you go and blow up my picture, put in the corner of your room when you want to pray, be looking at me, go punish you. <laughs> Under fire you anytime you kneel down there. Nonsense. And the thunder will come from my eyes. <laughs> As you are looking at me like this. I'm not telling you. <laughs> you just like the boat. <laughs> I got you. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, come on, nonsense. Then people not only do that, they now go and take a picture of a certified occultist. Just because he called himself a man of God. Because he's a prophet. They will now blow it up and keep it there. They're extra demons. There are demons who come simply because... You know, that man was a strong occultist. He later became a showman. But when he began, it was pure occultism. Do you know, he used to appear to people in their dreams. Fight people in, their, in the night. One day, those early days when I was in Lagos, not, you know, like I said, the latter part of him was the packaged one. And they used to annoy me when people wanted to... Sorry, you can call me arrogant and proud, but there are times I want to tell you that me and you are not made so. When they born you, we were prophesying when you were sitting around naked. I'm sorry to say it like that. <laughs> they will not say that you call somebody fake. Yes, I did. He's dead. I'm still saying it. While he was alive, I said it. I said it when you did not know he existed. I was watching him when we were still in Lagos, 1999. And for us, it was entertainment. We felt another Jesus of Yibu has come. That's what we thought. Another Olumba Olumba has showed up. Then before you know what's happening, the Bobo went and bought suits. Initially, you know, he used to wear funny garments. Whether na Agbada, whether na Dashiki, whatever. I just used to join everything together and wear so we used to watch to make ourselves laugh. Of course, you see the occultism, you see the, 
the showmanship, everything, my God, just nonsense. And I'll see that my wife, the guy is fake. Be there talking rubbish. Just like the one in worry right now. Yeah. That one doesn't even have a brain. That Lagos one had a brain. Very intelligent human being. He could memorize the whole Ken Hagen book, uh, sorry, Ken Eco plan and come and pour it out in church. But that worry one doesn't have a brain. I heard him speak once, and anybody following this person is cursed. Mark my words, I'm not joking. Joking. I know when I'll say things maybe out of, I'm just angry. No. Anyone following that guy is cursed. You were cursed before you came there. And your curse has been amplified. Because what is wrong with you? This guy is so totally not a, he doesn't even pretend to be a Christian. He just calls himself a prophet. And the so-called prophecies, as I tell people, say, this is why you went to church. A man says he's prophesying. Do you know what the prophecy is? Why are you monitoring your husband? You are monitoring your husband. Husband are hunters. Leave your husband alone. An adult human beings, we sit down there. You didn't come to look for Jesus. All of you are the same group. Let me sit on my message before I get carried away. So those of you who are using Shigiri to pray, don't think because you are putting the name of Jesus, it's working or no, it's not working. Once there's Shigiri in your life, okay, you don't know what Shigiri is. You know what Shigiri is? It's in, you don't know? Oh, it's Jeremiah chapter 10. Did we not read it just now? You make it out of wood or out of metal. This is out of um, plastic. Once you use shigidi in prayer, it's a sin. If you like, call the name of Jesus inside. It is shigidi. And that's why he said, don't make an image. And number three, don't place my name on a vain thing. Let me add this one quickly. If God blesses you with something, a material thing, don't ever place his name on it. You know, there was a time God told them, listen, you are about to be injured. So um, Moses, what you are going to do, you are going to make a serpent, hang it on a pole, and anyone who looks at it will be healed. You know what Israel did? After that, they packaged it, and they kept it. If you are sick, go there. They go and start worshiping it. And one king in Israel came, collected it, and destroyed it. And God blessed him. <laughs> it had to be destroyed. There are many places God blessed you. have to destroy the thing after a while. Lest you put the name of God on a vain thing. Because many of, in fact, not many. Almost every material thing that God blesses you with retains one name. It's called Vanity. Your car is what? Vanity. Vanity. Your building is what? Vanity. No matter what God has blessed you with, there's a name that is retained that is never removed. And that name is what? Vanity. After a while, God will actually demand that you treat it like vanity for him to see. So one day somebody will give you a goat. God will say, keep it in your dining overnight. Life goat. Did you hear what I said? I like, sir, yes. I want the goat in your dining room. No, no, don't kill it. I want it to, I want it to shit there. <laughs> Peace there. 
Why? I want to desecrate this stupid temple. Before you start thinking there is something special about it. You know, God blesses us with material things every day. But he's watching you very closely. Watching you very closely. The day that thing becomes a focus of your life. You say, Okwari, my son, my daughter, don't they smoke? So what the Lord do? The Lord will quickly smoke the thing. One day one of our sisters called me and said, was it called me or we met somewhere? I should pray for her. Pray for you over what? You know, false prophets, you know what I think? This is my opinion. After the demons and the devil have gone to hell, to the the lake of fire, the next people in line are false prophets. Honestly. (laughs) I think they are the worst. I don't know if you know anybody worse than false prophets. Let me know. I don't know. Kidnappers are in second line. Third line. Murderers. These people, they they, they, did back. Number one of sinners are false prophets. Those guys are terrible. Let me just leave it there. If I pray against people in this life, and they are the number one set I pray that God, please drive them out of Nigeria, send them to the middle of Sahara Desert where nobody lives. Let them form an enclave of suffering Saharans. Honestly, they are very useless people. I won't greet a false prophet if I say what. Honestly, what's the name of that small boy in Enugu? Let me not tell you the kind of prayer I'm praying for that guy. If you hear the guy just drive and just find inside Atlantic, just know it's me. Just know it's me. That you'll be driving Enugu, yet you fall inside Atlantic. <laughs> How easy is it? There's no Atlantic that's less than 300 kilo, 250 kilometers from us. Yet you'll be driving inside Enugu, you'll fall inside Atlantic. That's that guy, I'm suspect. If it doesn't change, this is 2022. That's his destiny. Anyway, let's leave that. So, this is my sister. Now, so false prophets, they can't do like this. You sow a seed. They had a vision. Somebody was taking something from her. Now they do up and down. But God, who loved her, who had mercy on her, now he introduced, and he introduced our messages to her, one way or the other. And then one day I came to the area to preach. So she now came to see me. What is it? And she has a feeling that uh, she will lose her job. So what should I do? I should pray that she won't lose her job. I said, why will I do that? No, there are prayers you can't get me to pray. I will join her and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever the Lord has done should be forever. Why are you not a baby forever? Why did you grow? Was not the Lord that gave birth to you? Why not he doing where, where, after 35 years? Because the Lord gave you a job. Now, doesn't mean he will never remove it. Nonsense is that. What kind of nonsense is that? I, told her, I said, no, no, don't pray that kind of prayer. Now, told me the whole story. How I said, they will not, she will not dream. Maybe the demon will not manifest to her. That I said, listen, next time the devil manifests to you, tell the devil, say, is it work you defy? Take. Tomorrow, you go to my office. <laughs> Go and walk. Send your demons there to go and walk. I said, this one of looking at God has given me a good job. I must never lose it. It's of the devil. What kind of job has God given me who have not, people have not done before? I mean, I remember John Gilly telling his story. Heading one big insurance company. Every day, the pressure to preach was so strong on him. 
One day went and told the chairman, this is so strong. I'm not doing business again. I'm just, you know. Chairman said, okay, take a leave. Six months go. When you come back, add, almost double the salary. Add the heavy money for him. That was the last leave he ever, he never came back. In today's naira, the dollar, that guy would have been earning maybe five million dollars a year in his salary. No, no, the way they operate now, it's much more than that, the way those guys operate these days. Yet he walked away to go and preach. He walked away to believe God for transport fare to go from there to South Africa. What work are you doing that people have not seen before? That you now be tying the hand of God with an offering. Ah! You know, there are false prophets are bad there, but in the church, eh, false teachers are also very crazy. <laughs> they say you will tie God's hands. You will tie his hand. How are you going to tie the hand of God with an offering? Let me say, the, in fact, I'm in the prophetic mood today. Let me say the way it is. We only preach those things out of hunger. We are the ones hungry. Anytime you see us preaching it, we want your money. When I'm telling you the truth, what happened is that the, the person roofing the new church, he sent bill yesterday. And he said that roofing trusses, the steel is 25 million. The steel is very expensive. So we don't check them. Say, how can we pay? Since those guys would not take prophetic words to release iron rod. You are the machine we are using to convert prophetic words to cash. It's called Bitcoin exchange. <laughs> People don't like God to say this thing. But I will say it. Those of you who don't like it, please, you can switch the channel. You can stop playing the message. I have realized I was not born to make you happy. Anyone sent by God will annoy some people. If you don't annoy everybody, you are sent by Satan. Listen, I'm saying it because it is true. Once somebody is telling you to use offering to tie the hand of God, just don't bother yourself. It doesn't work. I hope you're getting my point. We keep on preaching those things. We know they are not true. That's what I'm telling you. We only keep preaching them because they increase. Which word is it? Revenue. You know what they call revenue? Yeah, revenue end. That's the only reason we preach it. It's not because it's true. There's no foundation of truth in it. Many of those who say it, they say it because somebody has said it. And the person used it to build a big church. There are trades of this business. There are tricks of this trade, I wanted to say. Yeah. But the way you turn ministry to a trade, you have to learn the tricks. You have to learn the tricks. My mom, I was supposed to pay my wife some money one time. Say, pastor, a big pastor. So my wife went and said, ah, good morning, sir. Offer. The man said, madam, don't be angry. I was not in church on Sunday. And these young boys have not learned how to do this thing. Yes. A man of God said it. If I mention the name of the church, your chair will break. Say, madam, please come next Monday. Because on Sunday, me, I go there. That these boys, they have not yet learnt it. So Sunday service is harvest season. So when I'm telling you what I'm saying, I know what I'm saying. There are people that their job is to be going from one place to the other. Because they are professionals at lying. And pastors exchange them from church to church. When they want to build a building, they call him. In case you've learned that business. Eh? 
It's your destiny you are using to do business. You can call me Amos, call me Jeremiah, any name you like. I will tell the truth. Young ministers are using their destiny to do business. Those houses you want to build with the courts they give you, you won't live in them. You will not, as God lives, you will not live in them. You know, this is a reason. I said, God is alive. So there are certain kinds of nonsense he can't take if he really is alive. Please, if you want to steal, go and steal. Don't use the word of God. He's very jealous. He said, I'm watching over my word. Let's stop it there for a moment. The full thing is to perform it. But he's watching over his word. If you take it and twist it anyhow, he will twist you. So you want to hear the truth? Go and be using the word of God, twisting it to rake money from one assembly to the other, build the house. I'm giving you the word of the Lord. You will not live in it. So go and find another business. There are so many businesses. You know, the other day I was thinking about it. I thought about this was about just this weekend. That's a few days ago. I said, ah, if somebody comes and tells me I came to ministry because of money, I'll look at the person and say, how ignorant can you be? Did somebody fry your brain while you were sleeping? I think the person, look at me. Let me tell you, easier ways to make money that I know how to do. What am I saying? So if it's money you are looking for, brethren, the wrong place to come and look for it is in ministry. Because God will use you as target practice for young angels. Say, now don't keep person before. Say, no. See that small boy. Remember that story you told me? One man was doing things like this. Another man looked at him. I said, ah! What this guy is doing is wickedness. And he put his head down and died. Yes. He said, when I heard the two stories, I said, it makes sense. Another one of God looks at him, what are you doing? That is what this man is doing is wickedness. People come looking for God. You're only interested in their money. And I'm not just in this generation. Who was I talking the other day? I said, someone even look at, <laughs> who was I talking with? If you are here, tell me. I was talking just with somebody the other day. I said, this is a, when some doctors see you, they're not seeing a sick person, they're seeing money. Okay, okay. is you I was talking to, talking to another I said, the, the wickedness of the generation. You go to hospital, you sit down. The doctor has not seen a sick person that he needs to attend to. What he's seen is what? Money. One day, this really happened. I used to work in a particular clinic in Lagos. So when I came to, I, I used to do night mostly, of course, and cover some weekends. So I, 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 I resume one evening. My shift used to start around this, seven or eight. All right? So when I was sitting down there, one young lady came in. So what is it? She said that she was admitted earlier in the day. So she just went home. She came with her brothers. Young woman, she probably be... Yes, young. She'd be a teenager. Yes. So she came with her brothers. You know, people just came from home. You know, like everybody, one of the brothers drove, drove down, drove her down. So she came for admission. So I requested for her file. I looked at it. I looked at the, the, the young girl. Ah. So what do you say was wrong with you? She told me. I looked at the file. Are you admitted for this? Me, I didn't know what that, so I just, um, I just told her that I don't think it's necessary for you to stay. I wrote a prescription. I said, please go home, then come back tomorrow morning or in two days. See us in the clinic. I don't think you need to be in the hospital. Please. 
Ah, of course, she was so happy. She was so happy. Everybody, of course, who wants to come and drop and stay in the hospital for what now? So he was very, very happy. So they all entered their car, took my prescription, took the drugs we had. Anyway, they drove away. So next day, I was sitting down. The other doctor who I admitted came. He said, Doggy. I said, Wait. He said, I heard you discharge our salary. <laughs> I said, What? He said, Look, months don't end now. There's no money. Excuse me. Just said it very casually, like, huh? That was the aim now. Of course, I knew the girl was not sick too. I mean, are you the only good doctor here? We're all good doctors. But I placed her on admission so that we can build the family two days stay and then and pay salaries. This will shock you. Doctors have operated needlessly because of the money for the operation. And they do it every day. They do it every day. My wife's cousin went to the hospital the other day. Hey. And then she told the doctor, I'm going home. The doctor says, stomach paining you. He said, no. He said, it's paining you. Now how can you say it's not paining you? <laughs> Look like the, the young woman looked like dog. What is going on? I've told the one my company said, No, it's bad. You there's no need to hide. Ah, I'm not hiding anything. <laughs> I'll send you for a particular test. So the doctor made a call to the to the special center where they run the test. And the that one said, Ah, doc, long time we don't tell when you send me patient to. So that one got the point. Say, Oh, I'm the money will be tossing up and down. I'm not sick again. In fact, I'm, by the strike of Jesus, I am healed. I'm going. <laughs> he didn't say that. I'm going to you added it to it. The wickedness of human beings. One of my, this is, this is just small Jesus. One of my colleagues were house officers. Those, they did one funny one. His one was not very evil, but was very funny. You know, we worked in a government hospital. And government hospitals have one thing. All right. People die there a lot. Not because the doctors are bad, but because private hospitals don't like people dying in their hospitals. So when people are get, getting very ill, they refer to the government hospital. So people go to Parkland and UNTH, who have, they are, the person referring know they will die. But you ain't dying under my roof. So don't add to my mortality rate. So they, they do that. I mean, they used to do that. So we used to have a lot of death on our medical ward. And medical wards are the worst. Surgical wards are good. Surgery, surgery people, they cut something, join something, go home, you are fine. But when somebody's kidneys are not working again, medical ward. The heart is weak, medical word. The brain is weak, medical word. The pancreas is blowing and shrinking, medical word. They even as students, they chronically ill people. So that particular week, we'll come to work in the morning, certify somebody dead. Come in the evening for what round? A guy will certify somebody dead. Next day, certify somebody dead. Ah! Now get this worried boy will be my guy. Two of us with the health officers in that unit. He said, Banky, you know what we go do? He said, this died, died, died too much. So we we'll go admit a lot of well people. So we can be discharging them well. <laughs> so if you come like this, you cough two times. Query pneumonia. Medical, female medical word. <laughs> you sneeze. <laughs> Query this thing. Female medical word. The guy, he was sending everybody to all the words. Ordinary malaria. Give you all kinds of injections three times a day. Go to the word. <laughs> I said, what? Say no, let's fill it with good, well people. So when we start discharging them, ah, say, die, die, die every time. Let's go. I'm t- this guy admitted people. They will treat you for two days, then he will discharge you. You'll be feeling happy. Now I'm well. He knew you were not sick. <laughs> no, 
we get into that? Imam is being very funny. The love of money. That's what I was talking about. So you see preachers, they also do it. So when they start telling you, tie God's hands with money. Telling God's hands are too big, my rope not long reach. <laughs> Tell them like that. Say, Banky said that the Lord's hands, they are too large. To tie it, me, I will be tied. So let's, let's, let's leave this thing like this. And if you want to ask him, let's ask him humbly. We can't tie his hand with money. What am I doing this evening? I feel like people need to hear this again. You know, because we have so much nonsense going on outside there. Periodically, we have to correct these things. Many people have become, you know, you know they, are, they are sheep being milked every day. They are fowl laying eggs for, for churches. Yes, yeah, true. Like Apostle was telling me the other day, you see a young woman believing God for a husband, but she has money. A pastor knows she has money. You, you go build branch, you go tire. No, be true. No, you tell me. No, they find a need in your... Oh, God, it's horrible. They find a need in your life. That's it. Start spending money. They know how to do it. This year is the year of your breakthrough. That thing you have been looking for, God is going to do it. And the way he's going to do it, they're going to do something that you have never done before. And they put you in the committee to stand a new branch. Yeah, and the committee, not for spirituality, but for being unlucky enough to have a lot of cash. They don't care about your spiritual growth. They don't. Just bring money. And that's why when you leave one church going to another, fight will start. Oh, they will fight you. They will fight you. Especially when you now come as someone who listens to Pastor Banky. You know, Pastor Banky is for business. Yes. I'm a business spoiler. This one was raised to ruin ungodly business in ministry. If you like, build branch, build church, buy car for pastor, do anything. It won't bring any miracle into your life. I'm warning you. You are wasting your money. If you have to, don't sow into my life. If you sow into my life, eh? Before I start walking on the road, I see leaf germinating on my back. So, Pastor, we shouldn't give it. No, no, that's not what I said. Giving and sowing, I know what I'm talking about. They want to give you so that, mm, leave it. Leave it. Eat your money. There are two reasons you give to a preacher. I keep on telling people. Two reasons. One, he has been a blessing to you. And just say, ah, like one brother said that, uh, as with the chop, uh, he said, we collected, he said, when we receive cow, we give goat back. That's how he just gave me the Anibo proverb. So he said, this one, he said, I've been chopping your cow, sir. You will take this goat. So, you know, that kind of thing. That's right. And then sometimes, the Bible says that the laborer is worthy of his wages. This is the work the man does. There's nothing wrong with him earning. And his earning is supposed to be free will gifts from people. Those are the two reasons. Please, when you find a third reason, come and show me the scripture. He said, he that gives to a prophet. Why? Because he's a prophet. I've never seen where the Bible says, so seed into a man of God's life so he can harvest his anointing. Give to me, look, listen, give to me until I become Dangote. You won't preach like I'm preaching. In fact, it's easier for you to use your money to buy a recorder. Put all my messages in there, put it in your ear. You will preach like me faster like that. So don't come and tap my anointing with your stupid offering. I have plenty of it. It's not as if you can collect it. I'm not trying to mise it. I'm just saying don't waste your money. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. There's something we, we, we used to say those days. I said it myself, but I quickly stopped there. Oh, this person, what's wrong with you? We stop talking nonsense. Did you hear this test, that testimony? 
Come and connect with it. You've not heard that one before? Somebody will give a testimony. And I say, come and connect with it with an offering. Lie. Lie. See, I have lied that one before. I remember lying that one. But I wasn't being malicious. I didn't even know what I was. You know, they tell you just get up. Just be singing along. You will know that the man tell you, you go die today. You say you're going to sing them. Because now two-faced, you know? Yeah, you know? <laughs> Sometimes you just buy an album. You'll be singing rubbish. That's what happened to me, too. I heard that say, before I knew what was happening, I said, oh, that's a bit. Please come and connect with this. Afterwards, the man came, are you all right? What did you just say? And I said, no, talk that nonsense again. You cannot connect with a testimony with an offering. You can't. It doesn't, you see, there's no spiritual logic. I know a bit of spiritual dynamics. And I can assure you, it doesn't follow. It's like saying, my neighbor is sick. Let me jump from my roof. Then my neighbor will be healed. You know, like I said, excuse me, I don't get it. There's no tie. Or say, it's next week, I have to pay my children's school fees. And then he say, okay, how do we get the money? Say, I'll climb mango tree and sit down there. You know, like, excuse me, are you going there to pray? No. You know, see, see how ridiculous this is I'm saying? That's how it is when you want to give an offering to tie, to connect with a testimony. It has no meaning. What do you do when you hear a testimony? You give the Lord thanks to the person. You say, what if my money is my thanksgiving? Good. So give your money as your thanksgiving. But you are not connecting with that testimony. Don't think if God did it in his life and I connect with this offering today, he went do it in my life. He's a lie. We only get more from that's all. Any church you go to, and every time they take your cash before you can get anything, it's a fake church. I don't care how anointed the pastor is. If every blessing is tied to your offering, there's always a story. Now, you know the truth? There's nothing wrong with giving offerings. I'm not saying if they are taking seven offerings in a day is bad. No. If you have five to give out of seven, go ahead and give. But once you are being treated like sheep led to the slaughter on behalf of a denomination, it's 2022, may the Lord give you sense to go somewhere else. Another thing I should tell you, once you are giving your offerings out of fear, it's not accepted by God. Did you hear what I said? Let me explain. I can't remember giving money. Maybe I've done it in the past, maybe the, but in the last 20 years, I can't remember giving money because I'm afraid of the devourer. I can't remember giving money. My wife wants to travel. I go and give an offering so that she'll be safe. My children are going to school. I give an offering so that they will be safe. They are going to write an exam. I give an offering so that they will not fail. All those offerings are not accepted by God. Did you hear what I said? Listen, if you're at a motor park, you know, bus station, and the man says, let us pray. Your, your bus does not have accident in Jesus' name. Say amen. As you are going on this journey, many have gone and not reached their destination. That will be not be your portion. Say amen. Many have gone and not returned. You, you will return. Say amen. Then when he says... Sir, if you have anything for me, please give him if you have, if you are disposed. But 
if he for any reason tries to tie the prayer with the offering, tell him, get behind me, Satan. Say, now these prayers are prayed. You will confirm it with a seed. Tell him you are a thief. Tell him like that. Like one man said, first time I encountered people like that. After praying and preaching, he said, if you love me, you want me to succeed in my ministry. Anything you have, help me. We gave you money. You see, I like that kind of thing. The man said, if you love me, you want me to succeed in my ministry. One day I was in a bus like that. One man came. In the rain, he was selling, selling uh, books. Say so he's a pastor. That he, he was very honest about it. I looked at the book. He was selling it for, I remember, 400 naira. If it was Pastor Banky selling the book, it would have been like 100 to 150. So I bought the book. I gave him, so he was looking for a chain to give me. I told him not to bother. He didn't know I was a preacher. And I was feeling for my brother. I hope I hope I made my point. This is a, you know, I, yeah, he's not selling his own for 150 the way I do. He was kind of honest about it that he sells the books and he makes money from it. So, to me, I thought this was honest business. I mean, very, very honest about it. It was honest business. The sales were honest. The book was good. He wrote sound doctrine inside. Oh, yes. And he came out. I remember it was raining. He had an umbrella over him and books in his armpit. And he was selling. I didn't know him. I don't know whether he... By the time I was buying the book, I didn't care about the content. I just saw my brother, a fellow laborer, he passes a church. Ah, so I bought the book gladly. Even paid a little extra. I didn't have a problem with it. So giving to people at the park is not my issue. But if you mistakenly cross that I'm sowing a seed for the safety of my journey, I'm not giving you a dime. I will not give you. Even if I wanted to give you first, I will let the journey end. I will first let the journey end. Then I'll transfer the money to you. Say, bros, I'm not dying. I, I, would, I would tell you, no, 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 say, bros, I know. If somebody says, you are going, you swear for safety, I will not give that money. Forget, I'm suspending that offering until I have gone and come back. You see, if that's the case, say, God go work first before you collect him pay. May I protect, ah, is, that, is, is it not good business? God wants money for protecting me. Eh, work first now. <laughs> you, are, you are the one that wanted to do business. So I said, okay, God, God, hey, 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 protect me first. Then when I come back, say for example, because if I go pay you now, I can't die for road. You <laughs> don't cheat me now. I don't lose on both sides. Money where I for leave for my children, now you don't collect them. Now, let, let's get serious about it. Don't ever give money out of fear. Somebody says, I see death around you. I always tell people, I say, so, so what am I supposed to do? Say, you sow a seed. I say, Pastor, back to sender. It's so nothing. Listen, that's how I live my life. I'm not kidding about it. I'm telling you, do the same. Don't worry, you won't die. You see, you see what if I die? You are going to die before. That seed will not have saved you. But don't worry, anyway, you won't die. So, but then, you see, see, I, it's so important in spiritual things. You don't, you don't live a life based on fear. It's so crucial that you don't live life based on fear. Somebody say, you see death around me and say, so what am I supposed to do? You know, that is the question I always ask. I've heard things like that before. I say, okay, now that you have seen death around me, what am I supposed to do? I shouldn't go out again. That's not possible. Because I may as well die. 
If I don't go out again, I'm already dead. If you say, okay, what will I do? Um, um, you will now pray for seven days. Why? What do I want to say in prayer that God cannot hear in seven minutes? That has to take me seven days to communicate with him. Is he deaf? No, if your God is deaf, let me know. Because I ain't going to spend seven days to communicate with me on matters so I shouldn't die. What if I'm dead in the fifth day? <laughs> now, I'm not going to answer you. What do you want me to do is my own question I will ask you. So you now sow a seed for what? Once you get there, I know you're a thief. Only. I said, Pastor, listen, if you are hungry, why don't you just say, man of God, give something to your guy now. Must you tell this long story? Like, Pastor, if you are looking for money, just say, I need money. They will give it to you. Don't threaten me. Please, I'm begging you. Don't let anybody threaten you with dreams. I dreamt that you die. I said, Pastor, you too, you will not die. Listen, everybody, apart from one or two, because um, Sadhu says some people know they die. So let's just believe him. If I say John is still alive, so let's leave that. So apart from John and uh, Sadhu Sundar Singh and people like that who, no, Sundar Singh went to heaven without dying. No, those who are still on earth, we don't know many of them, but we hear of one. But apart from a few like that of hundreds of millions, Everybody will die one day if Jesus doesn't come back. The chances that you will live beyond the age of 120 is extremely slim. Even if God said, we'll keep you alive, you say you'll tell him, am I, to be discussing with who? <laughs> I'm telling you. Because when you want to go and play football with your great great grandchildren, I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense. So nobody should threaten you with death. Everybody's going to die. So if you tell me you dreamt that I died, did you put a date? No. Ross, forget it then. I knew it before. You don't have to dream it. You don't have to dream it. I knew I was going to die one day. You don't have a date for me? No. So what do you want me to do? But if you were to tell me, I dreamt that God is going to afflict you with death. Why? Because anytime you are preaching, you lie. So what should I do? Repent of lying. Are you getting my point? Now you are speaking English that I understand. Like an egg inside in one of his school, I think, minister's meetings. So one day he was just ministering, he was prophesying. And he just saw that there were two ministers there that next year they gather every year. That next year they will not come back. That are going to die between now and next year. And the Lord told him why. And he called them. One particular one he called. And the Lord told him clearly, this guy is going to die this year. Why? So he called the guy to decide. Your dead meat. The guy said, why? He said, the Lord said, you're a married man. And you have eyes for other women. If you don't stop it, you won't live beyond this, the next 12 months. Because if you tell me like that, unless I really want to die, I will quickly stop. And that guy stopped. He repented. And next year, he was back. The following year, he was back. He didn't die. That was the end of that. Another one that he called refused to come. They kept reminding him. 
that Brother Higgins said you should come and see him. One day his wife told, reminded him, have you gone to see Brother Higgins? He said, no, I'm not going to go. So I think one day they said he reached to pick a, a phone or something. He fell over, became unconscious. They rushed him to the hospital. They called Higgin and Co. They came there. They began to pray. They prayed and prayed and prayed. So as he was praying, his prayer was not moving. Then he stopped to pray. Like, Lord, what is going on? This thing is not moving. And the Lord just reminded him that, I told you these guys are going to die. Did he come to see you? No. He said, he's going to die. You can't pray him out of this. So he gave thanks and left the place. And the young man died. He was 30-something. Don't scare me with death. Don't. Tell me about repentance. Tell me what I'm doing that is wrong. Don't just come and put me on edge. I want to cross the road. I won't cross again. If you try that with me, I will close my eyes and cross the road in front of Dangote truck. (laughs) I have to break the fear. I have to break the fear. There are times we've had to maybe make decisions on travel and all of that. When the only thing that's remaining, why we won't do this is fear. I said, no, fear, you won't control me. The worst I will do is pray maybe two days more just to get confidence in my soul, declaring the word of God morning, afternoon, and night. Then when the confidence comes, we move. What? You will not let me, you won't make me live my life by fear. I've seen all kinds of fears in people's lives. Your neighbor should not see you. Your children gain admission to school. Your neighbor should not know the school they are going. Let me just tell you, God is angry with you. I want you to know now, the Lord is angry with you. Stop that nonsense. What should you do? Call a party for goodness sake. Tell your neighbors, ah, you know my son, he has finished secondary school. He did jump. And then look at his admission letter. God of me, put music. Bring cake. Bring drink. Amen. Amen. <laughs> if you have enemies you are suspecting around you, let me tell you how to handle them. Bring food. Any enemy that is your food and see your enemy, we die by fire. <laughs> the Lord is good. Call your neighbors. Tell them to settle down. Say, my son has gained admission. Which school is he going to? Ah, he's going to University of Hillary. Oh, I heard that Bishop Oedepo is giving a... Free tuition for people that will study any agriculture course in a landmark university. So I decided to go. So he's studying agricultural economics. He's studying fishery. Are you serious? Yes, he's going tomorrow. Wow, we thank the Lord. Put the food there. You know what you are doing? You are disarming the enemies. Why? There's a scripture. He prepares a table. In where? The presence of my enemies. Even if they were witches before. Once they come to the house... And they eat. Their witchcraft power has died. If they eat, they will live. But there will be no witchcraft power. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you the word of God. I think I'm joking here. You want to travel, you'll be hiding it from everybody. That Let them not go and put a red rope across your road. Have you, have you heard this? There's one joke I told you I saw now. Somebody sent it to me. Good laugh. I still have the picture there. I can't for that joke here. Eh? It's the will of God. You know, there are jokes you crack. You, you teach people wisdom. 
One man came out one day, saw his car, and white powder had been spread around it. So he looked. Ah, white powder. So he didn't go near the car. He went and took keke, took boat, <laughs> took Uber, went to work. Came back in the evening, he was meditating on the white powder. That somebody has come, spread juju around his vehicle. Three days, the man couldn't use the car. Couldn't go near, couldn't cross it. Then the third day, he came back from work. What did he see? His son was like inside the circle. <laughs> so he rushed the boy. Come out, come out, come out. He drove the boy from me. Come out, come out from there. And the boy was like, what? Did you see that red white powder? Why are you going inside it? Don't you know it's dangerous? That is, that, the boy said, that is not dangerous. What do you mean it's not dangerous? Do you know put it there? He said, yes, I'm the one that put it there. <laughs> <laughs> that mommy gave me all the ilubo, you know what I mean, Amala? <laughs> Dry this thing, that the thing has, has weevils. I should go and throw it away. So when the boy was, you know which children will be? The boy was not dancing around the car. The thing was spinning around the car. According to the joke, that the man is still beating the boys right now. <laughs> you beat the boy for your fear. No, you know, there are, there are kinds of, you know, I, I tell people that it's a kind of pride you must have. Some bit of spiritual arrogance. If I was the one, just to show that I'm too, I'm stub, more stubborn than you. I went, even if I would die, let me die inside my motor. But you will not make me not enter my car because you put powder on the ground. Wait, you smoke something. Lie, lie. Ah. This, being a Christian is not a joke. I told you, people go Ogboni, they have something. Me, I've entered the highest of the Ogbonis. It's called the cult of Christ. I must use my own thing now. Even if I don't know what to do, I will go inside the house, I will bring water. I will put the water down, bring scripture. Read it and blow air into the screen, into the water. I will blow, ah, it's not, you know, the, the spirit. Air. I'm blowing the spirit into the water. And I go there and sprinkle on top of your powder. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the spirit I cross. <laughs> now, for information, that is the least allowed for a believer Christian. But what I have told you now, if I do it, God will punish me. Because it's going to give me a knock on the head. Say, Banky, are you stupid? Because of part I need to do this kind of prayer. Are you going for a crusade? <laughs> you are not going for Just to enter your car. What you will have expected from me is just ignore it. Open your door, enter the car, and drive. Say, but pastor, what if there are demons there? I will drive them into the ground. Use my tire to roll on their head. That's how you know that demons can bleed. <laughs> The Lord is good. I do get into that. I know what we started with, but as we're going along the line to this, really, and I know why we got into that. I believe that God needed to help some people. This is, you just assume that everybody knows them. But you'd be amazed at people who don't know. All right? Let me just say it again. Christians, don't live your life by what? By fear. No! Any prophet, anytime he calls you, you become afraid, is a false prophet. Except, your name is Ahab. You are walking in sin. So when he calls you, you know he wants to expose your urukuruku. And that's the one that is, that is a genuine prophet. 
If, if, if you're a thief and I call you, you can't pick my call. Just know that God has caught you already. Even though they didn't catch you stealing. I just wanted to say, oh boy, I heard that three days ago was your birthday. But because you are walking in sin, when you see my call, say, hey, God has revealed to him. That one is godly fear. But the one that nothing they do you day for office, you are walking normally, you are singing praises. They say, it's the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice. Then my call came in and said, ah, pray. He says, I see fire. I see thunder. Pray, child of God, pray. Pray now so you will not pray later. Please delete, block that guy's number. <laughs> block his number. Do you hear what I said? Block his number. So don't call me again. I was at peace, rejoicing in the Lord until you called. Then suddenly I'm terrified. I'm trembling. I'm calling my wife. Where are you? Where are you? Where are the children? People go inside the house. Go inside the house. Begin to pray. Those prayers are prayers of fear. They don't walk. Don't let any so-called prophet use fear to rule your life. And there are those who can't travel until they get, they get a go ahead from a prophet. And bondage. I hope you know that. You want to call a prophet to ask whether you should travel. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. And what are they even afraid of? The witches are dodgy. Nonsense. Look, listen. You cannot be be asking a prophet whether you should travel. You know, the problem is this. Like the Bible, my people like it so. You know, because you see, truth puts responsibility on you. That's the problem about truth. It takes responsibility away from the prophet and puts it on you. You have to do your own praying. You have to do your own confession of the word of God. You have to do your own righteous living. That's why people follow these prophets. And they know. They now turn the whole enterprise, the whole thing into an enterprise, into a business. That's not the will of God concerning you. Let me tell you what God has made every believer in Christ Jesus. Now, okay, just by the way, I need to say this. In case you are not born again, I wasn't talking to you. I hope you get my point. If you are not born again, <laughs> better feel. <laughs> you know, you should be afraid. Next powder you see. <laughs> don't go near it. Oh. If you see powder, don't touch it. If you, read, if you enter your tailor's shop and it's sewing with red, go back. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. Once you, are, once you are not born again, they can kill you anyhow. You are the type that they used to do, which you know what they call, you know, there's teaching practice. And there's witching practice also. <laughs> People like go to school to go and learn how to teach. They go and do what? Teaching practice. Those who learn to be witch, they also have witching practice. If you're not born again, they can't, they, after they've learned how to kill people, they ask, okay, go and try whether you can fry that one's liver. Listen, if fly pa- flies past you and you're not born again, go and fast too. <laughs> if you see spider, Making cobwebs and you are not born again. It's your destiny they want to hang there. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Please, all this confident talk I've been giving you is for those who are in Christ. Though. I hope you are getting my point. It's for those who greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. It is for those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. It is for those who Jesus has taken out of the kingdom of darkness and taken into the kingdom of his 
their son, in whom they have redemption. People who their sins have been what? Forgiven. They are the ones I'm talking to. They are the ones whose, whose sins have been washed away. Because the devil has nothing in them. The devil can't kill them because he wants to kill somebody. And he knows. He doesn't even try. Please, come for our Bible study on Friday. We are still on it. The methods of Satan. How much power does he have? That's what we have. In fact, this Friday we'll get back to that discussion. You can ask your questions that time, please. I'm asking you to be around. If you are not physically in Enugu and you can't come here, join us online on Mixler. You only do audio streaming, okay? And you can ask your questions. You can type in your questions. We will, we'll read all the comments, all the questions, and we'll discuss them. We are discussing what power. Satan doesn't have power over the believer. If he had, he wouldn't be speaking a lot of grammar. He has to come and tempt, as God really said. You know, all these stories for people don't have power. Do you get my point? Have you ever seen bulldozer? He wants to put out a tree, knocking the tree. Go, 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 anybody in the house? <laughs> Any witch inside the tree? Who pushes the thing down? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So when somebody comes to asking, speaking grammar, uh, as God really said, you will not surely die. Wait, come, let me talk to you. Turn these stones to bread. What does that tell you? He doesn't have power over those people. He has to convince and persuade them. That's the power that the devil has over in the lives of believers. He can't just say, I will ruin your business. He doesn't have that power. He can't just say, I won't let you have children. He doesn't have that power. He can't just make up his mind what he wants to do to you. He does not have that power. And that's why we are talking the way we are talking. When I talk about the powder around that massacre, I don't care whether it was his son or was the head Oboni man in their village. It's relevant. It's the same as far as he is concerned. It's the same. White powder thrown by my wife and my son and the one gathered by the, all the witches in the village with all the Oboni men. They are all the same. Because no problem let me tell you how demons behave. When they say, go and kill whoever is inside that car, they will come there. They will say, we are going to kill today. They will be marching around the power that we are killing. Then when they see the child of God approaching, we are going to kill tomorrow. That's it. <laughs> say, Baze, boy, you see there. No, no, I have something to do. I left something in the market. And I said, they go, oh, I can't come out. Because it's dangerous. Because the child of God is coming. The Bible says that the Lord surrounds the way the mountain, what? Surround Jerusalem. So literally, the guy is on fire. As he's approaching, the spiritual fire of God is burning around him. That's why we talk the way we talk. Oh. So this is one thing I, I went to preach somewhere. They said, this guy does not know African demons. I'm telling you. Can you believe that I went to preach somewhere? And people I was preaching to say, my problem is I don't know African demons. They, they, they said it. How did I hear? One woman who was there, they were discussing. Eh, this pastor, they didn't know me, of course. They were just talking. Eh, he doesn't know African demons. So she didn't say anything. The next day, he said she should come and carry me from the, uh, to, to the venue. He said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. I said, What is it? My friend said, You don't know African demons. <laughs> she was more reported to me. I said, Eh, thank you, madam, no problem. When I came to preach, you know, say my mouth. I said, some of you say, I don't know African demons. That's what I said. I said, I know African Jesus. I don't care about African demons, African witches. I know my Jesus. I don't want to know your demons. I said, look at you talking. Can you sleep the way I sleep? You that know African demons, can you talk the way I talk? Can you go where I go? You, I, I abuse them well. 
you are living in fear. You are opening your mouth to tell me I don't know African demons, African witches. I said, let me tell you the truth. I don't care about African demons. I don't care about African witches. You know what I know? I know the almighty Jesus. And I'm hidden in him. My life is hid with Christ in God. I'm not there studying who your demons are or who your witches are. I just know the God that I serve. Of course, they knew I was talking to them. Even though I didn't know who I was talking to. After that, I'm sure they never said, they would be saying, who told him? Because they, they, they were all ladies. They won't know which of these women went and reported us to this man. Listen to me. I don't know African demons, let's be honest. But I know African Jesus. Do you get my point? And I know no matter how big the African demon is, it's smaller than the international Satan. True of us. Now, that international Satan, as big as he is, is under my feet. I hope you're getting my point. So why should I be learning about African demons when I've already conquered international Satan? The Lord is good. I hope we, we help some people. Now let's get back to our message. Let's go back to our message. I know how we got here. I know how we got here. All right? You want to tell you? So that you'll be able to go back. This is what we're saying. We're, we're explaining the commandments. And how you shouldn't expose yourself to demons by breaking those instructions. The first commandment, the second commandment, and the third commandment. And I began to explain that sometimes people even make gods out of yesterday's blessings. That's why I went into all of this. That God blessed them with a serpent, they go and hang it somewhere. That's what happened to the Jews. They want to start worshipping it, and God doesn't like that. He disapproves of it. Totally disapproves. They now began to rebuke those who want to make merchandise of people's souls. And they were now ended by saying, don't let fear rule your life. And no prophet should rule you with any kind of fear apart from the fear of God. And what's the fear of God? It just drives you towards obedience to God. The fear of God does not give you trepidations of fear if you are walking in line with the will of God. You literally begin to shake when you are in disobedience. So a true prophet drives you towards walking with God. He doesn't try to make merchandise of your soul. That's what I was trying to say. And I was trying to explain that if you have been trying to buy your deliverance with money, you have been wasting your money. That's one critical point I was making. If you have been giving and giving, looking for something, you have been throwing away your money. If you have been tithing because you are afraid of the devourer, you have been wasting your time. By the way, it never worked. God just overlooked all your stupidity and kept on blessing you anyway. If anybody says, if you don't tithe, now the devourer will come and get you. Eat your money for that month. He said, why? He said, because I don't like this idea. If I don't tithe, the devourer is going to get me. He said, if you give fresh fruit, the rest will be holy. So this month, I'm eating first fruit, second fruit, third fruit, fourth fruit. I'm eating everything. If I want to give, I give out of the liberty of my spirit. I hope you're getting my point. I don't give out of fear. That's what we just trying to explain with all of this thing. Please, I need to emphasize it again. We live our life, our lives as believers out of the confidence we have and the faith we have in the word of God. Our Jesus is not the Jesus we are peace with offerings. Please go and read out my article again. He's not like other gods. What Jesus demands of you is a life of righteousness. 
Did you hear what I said? What Jesus demands of us is what? A life of righteousness. Every instruction he gives, walk by it. Don't disobey an instruction and come and use an offering to try and kill the consequences. It does not work like that. Not in Christ. In Christ, that doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. If you are disobeying God, stop disobeying. You can never stop the consequences of something you know is wrong because you are giving an offering. If anything, you have amplified your judgment. Because this time you do it, you are proven to God you know what you are doing. And once you know what you are doing, it's called a sin unto death. This one is you hear the word sin unto death. Just don't think just the person must die and go to hell. That's one part, that's part of it. But it applies, death is every consequence of sin. So what it means is that there are sins that people commit and they will suffer the consequence. That there's no sacrifice for it. There's, sorry, there's no sacrifice. With all the pele, pele, pele that David did to God. God said, leave that thing, David. <laughs> okay, I'll forgive him, you leave it, but you will see, you will see him win. Why? You knew what you were doing. When you first took Bathsheba, well, 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 you half knew what you were doing. You didn't know it fully, but you knew how small. Because he told you this is a wife of one of your servants. You knew. But let's assume, say, your body was too hot that time, and you were high on something. One of those days that the king smoked Igbo. Say, hey, who's that? So let's just assume that's what happened that day. God said, all right. Then I allowed your Igbo to clear. When the girl came to tell you she was pregnant, you were not smoking anything. You were not high. You were judging righteously. But when you saw the consequence, you decided you are going to take the law into your own hands. Instead of you to rush to the temple and call Nathan, say, Nathan, there's trouble, there's fire on the mountain. That's what you'll have done. You'll have just called Nathan. Nathan. Ah, prophets. There's fire on the mountain. What happened? I don't know what's wrong with these girls. Just get it pregnant anyhow. <laughs> Start it like that. Nathan will know. You know, he's a man. He will get the point. He said, uh, King, did you sneeze when she got pregnant? <laughs> Say Nathan, not exactly a sneeze, but does she have to get pregnant like that? Then we will not see what the Lord will say. He won't have, his, he won't have, his, he won't have suffered that much. But the man said, no, let's kill Uriah. God said, sorry. I know they hear sorry for this one. God didn't hear sorry for that one. He did. There was no sorry available. Ah, David suffered for it. Please, oh, don't let anybody come and lie to you that grace means you do anything you like. Then you go and pray in the evening. Give an offering. And God will just say, okay. Ah, how much do you bring for me? Eh? <laughs> My son, you're a cheerful giver. Givers never lack. They never lack for forgiveness. Don't worry. Don't try that one. That's how people get punished severely. <laughs> the Lord is good. I mean, let's get back to my message. My time is almost finished for today. Apostle, is this, now you see what they do like this today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get back to the message. So, now we're going to start again. But we'll not go too far today. Uh, maybe we'll continue next time. He said, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Please let me introduce what we're going to be talking about. Why does God say things like you shall have no other God? Somebody wrote a, a, you know, a stern criticism of the Lord. You know what he said? 
that is occupied with the, I'm looking for the word, with the preservation of his own prerogative. Yeah, somebody was criticizing the Lord, the Lord God. So the problem with God is that he's occupied with the preservation of his own prerogative. He wants everybody to do what he says. Are you the only one? And they are thinking about God like that. It's very simple to answer such people. Say, create your own universe. Then go and live there. Then when you get there, you can do your own prerogative. But as long as you are in my universe, you are on my earth, under my heavens, you will do what I say. I know God is not joking about that. Tell everybody. Anyway, somebody said that that's the issue with God. Why? Because you, actually, if you don't have understanding, if you don't have spiritual insight, and you are, you are such a humanist, you might actually think so. Must we do what he says? And that's how they ruin families. They want husband and wife to be running democracy. Any husband and wife that runs democracy are of the devil. Are we now? There's no democracy in the house. One woman wrote to her children and said, listen, there's no democracy in this house. I never campaigned to be your mother. There was no day you voted for me as mother. So anything I say, <laughs> you will do. Told the children straight. So nobody should come and say, we have all agreed. Who is we? We the people, thank you. <laughs> we the children of this house. Say, for who? Do I look like your president? The woman told them, I'm your mother. So when I say everybody wake up by five, it means wake up by five. You can't say me and my younger ones who have disagreed. We, are, we now think that waking up by 6.45 is the best time. I will beat the living daylight out of each one of you. Reset your brain for you with Mr. Dugood. You know what's called Mr. Dugood? Thank you. In the same manner, there's no democracy in the household. The husband is not the president. He's the husband. The wife is not the vice president. She's the wife. That's the way it works. What you operate in the household is wives. Submit yourself to your own husband. And husband, love your wife. If you do it properly, there's the joy of the Holy Spirit in that house. That's the way it works. That's what God said. People want to bring their democratic mindset to the sovereignty of God, to the rulership of the creator of the heavens and the earth. God says something. He says, let's go and think about it. What do you want to think? Whether it will work for us like that. It's called eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like I was saying, it's because people don't understand God. If we understood him, that wouldn't be a problem. When he said, thou shalt have no other God before me. He said, you, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Let me say this to you. Let me say, listen, listen. God is so rich. When they call rich, let me give you an idea. All the imaginary wealth of the so-called richest men in the world today, you know, there are so many of them. Their wealth is imaginary. Let's not get into that. Put it together. And the real wealth of the earth. When I say real wealth of the physical wealth of the earth, the oil under the sands in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Oman, all those places. Of course, Niger Delta in Nigeria. Real wealth of the earth. All the mineral, minerals in the mountains in the Congo. You know, the limestone we have in Nigeria. The real wealth of the earth. The American military. That's real wealth. You see one plane. It's $100 million. 
They are not joking about it. You heard they stole something from one Arabic flight. That small computer is $300,000. Yeah, it was taken out of a plane. Okay? That's what they call real wealth. Not the one that your stock market is going up and down. Today you are the richest man. I don't like. That one is gambling. A lot of people in the stock market are gamblers. But put all the wealth, real wealth of the earth together. It is not even up to a fraction of how rich God is. God can make that earth, make everything. In. You know what the Bible says about the wealth of God? He said what? The earth is the Lord's. And what? The fullness, all the products, all the intellectual property, everything inside belongs to him. Now, when somebody is that rich, doesn't need anybody. That's where I'm going. When somebody is that rich, doesn't need anybody. And I'm not even begun to describe his wealth yet, just using the earthly perspective. Someone is that rich, and he wants to, maybe he comes to your school, say, I want to offer scholarships to 500 children. Don't be looking and say, what is he looking for? He's not looking for anything. He can't possibly be looking for anything. Because if he wanted to create schools, he could create schools. He can build all the schools. You know? So if he comes and says, I want to give, you know, to the, ch- to the ch- children, 500 children scholarships. Don't read hidden motives into it. He's too rich. He's rich in every sphere. He's rich in material things. He's rich in spiritual things. He's rich in emotional things. He is rich. If you have been coming around on Saturday, we've been discuss- on Friday, we've been discussing this. People say, God created man to worship him. We said it on Friday. That is not true. So why did God create man so that man can worship him? We say, it's not true. It's not true. What worship are you bringing? People, people were worshiping before you came. And if worship was so important, God will worship himself. Leave that in. I'm not just what I said. Said, therefore, his right hand brought salvation unto him. That's where God behaves. He didn't create any human being to worship him. Forget that thing. We established that what he created us for was to multiply himself. He's so rich. He said, let me not eat my money alone. Can we use that expression? He said, let me make other people rich too. That's how God is. Is to that is the only thing he ever thinks about is giving. Now, bear it in mind. God never thinks about any other thing apart from giving. All he, where he gets his joy, where he gets his satisfaction from, is giving to people. So anytime he gives an instruction, look for the giving side of it. There is something he's trying to give. He's not preoccupied with the preservation of his own prerogative. It's not true. It is just that God is love. You know the meaning of love? He said, God is love. John was explaining to us, beloved, let's love one another for love is of God. And whoever loves is born of God and knows God. He said, for what? God is love. That's how I ended that. I just jumped a few lines. And what is love? Go and read 1 Corinthians 13. Paul said, love does not seek its own. That's how come I know what I'm talking, telling you about. God is love. So he, can't, he does never seek anything for himself. When I give an instruction, check it. There is a giving side of that instruction. When he said, Thou shalt serve the Lord thy God. What's the next line? And he shall, bread, he shall bless thy bread and thy waters. What he was thinking about was how to bless. He was not thinking about the service. He was thinking about the blessing. So how will the blessing come? So he makes a pathway for, for blessing. And that pathway is called what? Service. 
So the reason why God says serve is so that he can bless. Let's be the divine. So when he said there will be no other gods before me, it's only he was trying to do. What's a God? Let's even ask that question. What's a God? What was he talking about when he said there's no other God? What's a God? There are two ways to look at it. Now, when he's talking about it, he's not talking about there shall be no shigidi. No, they call shigidi. There shall be no image. That was second commandment. Here he was talking about spiritual gods. He wasn't talking about there should be, because the first commandment did not deal with a competition of imagery. It wasn't that I don't want anywhere I put my picture, I don't want T.B. Joshua's picture there. That's not what he was saying. He was talking spiritual things. That you, listen to this, that you will have your eyes on no one else apart from me. What is a God? A God, there are two sides to it. A God is something or someone whom we what? Worship is simple to define. And there's a, see, there are two sides to that definition. There is the upward side. So God is someone we do what? We worship. Then there is a downward side. God is someone that pours his blessing into us. So the combination is when we worship, we have our eyes face focused on him or it so that our blessing will come from there. That is what the God is. We worship and we expect something from his or its hands. So when he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What was he saying? You worship no person else. And you expect things from no one else. You worship no one else. And don't focus on anybody else to expect anything from the person. Now, that second part is so crucial in our definition. Because many times we, folk, we make gods out of so many things. The other day, one of our sisters called me and Pastor Craig. I was telling this story a few weeks ago and said, please, men of God, pray. I, I was the first person to speak because Pastor Craig wanted to take a call. So I pray that this big man, and if I mention the person's name, massive man of God, person in the country, will remember me. I said, why? So I did some jobs for them. There's some consultancy work I've done. I've not been paid. So, so pray that they will remember. I said, sorry, I don't pray such prayers. I said, the size of the man does not make him our supplier. I said, what do you need? Is it not money? And let's pray to the Lord now to bring money. Then Pastor Courage, who's worse than me? If you think I'm bad, if you think I'm bad, you have not met Pastor Courage. He will talk to you straight. So I just came, he just came saying, waiting at the talk. I told him, just say, no, no, nonsense, no, we're not praying that kind of prayer. Without saying anything, just say, no, we're not praying that kind of prayer. I said, was that not what I said? He's only like, how can you be bringing that? No, we're not going to pray that kind of prayer. It's not God we look up to. That's, he just went into it. I said, so from the mouth of two witnesses, yes. This word was established. And we said, no, you cannot keep your eyes as the servants look to the hands of the master and the maid looks to the hands of the mistress. So our eyes are on you. Can you see that? It's focus. It's focus. We are focused on God. You know what's hot in my heart? Eh? This isn't to preach to us. Because God has been limited in the lives of people because of lack of understanding of this. So if I walk in a place, my eyes are on the boss. 
If I live in the country, my eyes are on the president. If I get a visa to America, my eyes are on the American system. And with that, sometimes we have not even done anything, but it's a stronghold deep inside our hearts. And you know what? It has limited the flow of divine power into our lives. What's a God? Is the one we worship. But worship, if you look at worship properly, when people worship, they actually have expectation. Whether they utter it or not, they have expectation. They do. Listen, let's come down to African worship. That is why we have gods for everything, just like the Europeans too had, the Greek, that's how they were. The, even the Asians, that's, that was the way it was. Even in the Middle East, so this thing was carved out to pieces. There's God of fertility. You know that? Then there's God of farm, you know, farm productivity. There was God. There's God of disease pro- uh, protection. You know, there are gods like that. There are gods of road safety, federal road safety gods, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> there was, no, there was God of safety. So if you go to a, a place like Ondo Town, all right, when they are doing the Ogun worship, it's mostly car drivers, commercial drivers that are there. And it's, it's massive. You see it in the news. It's massive. It's massive. They sacrifice, they sacrifice dogs. They sacrifice heavily. They drink everything so that Ogun can share Ogun for the year. And what are they sacrificing to? They're all inside metallic objects every day in their work. So they think that the metallic object, you know, Magneto in the... What's the name of that movie series? X-Men. Uh-huh. That he can affect all. They worship him expect him to prevent road traffic accidents. When they went to war, they had instruments of war which were metallic. They worshipped to go to, go to battle because they felt they had control over the weapons of war so it could give them victory. But when the other things, they wanted the farms to produce, they didn't go to Ogun. Well, they go and meet Oya. Western Nigeria now. There's Shongu. If it's not raining, you talk to Shongu for goodness sake. Shongo, you know what Shongo? God of thunder. Ah, Shongo, how far? It has not rained for a while. So you offer Shongo his sacrifices. Each god that was worshipped, there was expectation tied to that worship. People worship were expecting something. And that's how come people had multiple gods. And it's the reason, one of the reasons why God had to tell them, Hear, O Israel. The Lord thy God is one. You must understand the context behind some of these commandments. They were given to people who had gods for everything. They came out of Egypt. Oh, my father. I said before, the plagues in Egypt, 10. Why go through 10 plagues? 10 long, long. God that could do it like this and Pharaoh would change his mind. No, God could blow, he could blow away Pharaoh's brain. They all hold Pharaoh like this. Pharaoh is suddenly having dementia. One moment he was a sharp Pharaoh, next moment he's a demented Pharaoh. You know the kind of thing I do to witches that want to grab anything from my body, throw and shake. I prophesied that word. I hope somebody will come to me one day to try it. So let's stab this man, whether something will disappear. Phew! The Pharaoh's brain is gone. God, God can do that to Pharaoh. You have him replaced next day. You know what God did to Nebuchadnezzar? Bereshazzar, when he was trying to let the people go. He didn't have time to in 10 plagues, 70 plagues. Which one is plagued? Remove the guy who's on the throne. Replace him with the one that will let my oppressed go free. 
So he ended the kingdom of Babylon, told the Medes and Persians to come in, and he instructed Cyrus, let my oppressors go free. And Cyrus needed no plague, no sign, no wonder. He said, everybody go home. So why was God doing what he did with Pharaoh? He was judging the gods of Egypt. Every god that the Egyptians worshipped, which the Jews had learned to worship, God had to judge. So one after the other, he was going after those gods. The first few plagues, I think the first three, affected both the Israelites and the Egyptians. Do you want to know the reason why? In case you did not know. It was because the Israelites had not removed the gods out of their homes. Oh, yes, that's true. By that end of the third plague, they are seen that these gods, they don't walk. So they cast out all the gods out of their homes. That ended the place coming into their own houses. But God said, no, you will stay here and watch. So that you will understand that this is how I am. So by the time they finished all of those things, he said, Hear, O Israel, there's not one God of the Nile, and one God of the mountains, and one God of fertility, and one God for the farms, and one God for the future generation, another one for the sun, another for the moon, one for the stars, one for the oceans. He said, No, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Now this one God Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength, everything that is in you. There's no point going to other gods. They actually don't exist. The one million gods you chase from here to India, all of them are one. Don't look for another god. And he said, one day that god will come to meet you physically. First encounter on the mountain. Next encounter born as a little boy in the house of Joseph. And he walked on the surface of this earth. And he came to introduce himself to the whole of mankind. That's what a God is. We worship intrinsic, that is inherent in the worship, is expectation. Inherent is expectation. So what is God teaching us? He's saying to the people, we now, Understand that there is one God. Why do we worship? What is our own expectation as Christians? Please, we must bear this in mind. I said earlier, God is not trying to gain worship. Anytime you see him give an instruction, there is a blessing in that instruction. There is. There is always a blessing in the instruction. Which is never for himself, but for our sake. Why did he say we should worship? The primary reason he created us, actually, I told we discussed it earlier, is so that we will be like him. And in the place of worship, listen to this. Let's talk about, think about the spiritual, I'm trying to use the word physical, but like, think about physical ambience of worship, but spiritual ambience, actually, okay? We're gathered in worship. The Lord is in front, and we are here, we are worshiping, and we're all before the throne. One thing that's present there. Is what you call an aura. Are you getting my point? Is a, is a spirit of his presence. In physics and chemistry, we call that radiation. Yeah, that's not a joke. It actually comes out of him, his light, his spiritual energy. What it does, now I'm going somewhere. What God does is to transform us by that spirit of his presence. Now, if, it, if, you, if I put a radioactive substance out somewhere, 
it generates what we call ionizing radiation. Generally, ionizing radiation damages things. Yeah, it's very, very intense. It, it damages things. And I was thinking about it. I said, you know what? It actually works like that with God too. Except that it doesn't damage us. It damages our flesh. Yes, it does. It does. You know? Whew. How much time do we have? How much talk should I talk? Let me tell you something. Eh? When God created man, a thought drops in my head. I said, wow. You know the coming of Jesus is not an afterthought. I hope you know it's not an emergency procedure to solve a critical problem that arose that was not thought about ahead of time. No, that was not what it was. I hope you understand, therefore, that that first man, Adam, was not supposed to remain like that forever. He was supposed to still attain to a spiritual body eventually. You know that? Some people say, what are you talking about? Just try and hear it. You will get it. So the fact that Jesus... Now, don't think Jesus just came on a rescue mission. No. There was rescue, quite all right. But that's not the aim. The original plan was still going on. There was a glitch, quite all right. But we came back to the original plan. We're back on the original plan. We are back on the original plan. When he said, let us make man in our image. You know, I've heard us kind of that God has arms, he has legs. I said, no, it's not like that. It's not really like that. It doesn't, Jesus said, God is spirit. That is... It's, as a matter of fact, we can't conceive what it really is like. You know why? Because we're not in that realm. That realm operates on different principles. What you call arms here. There are not arms there. So let's just leave it. So in what, whose image did he now make Adam? It's simple. He made Adam in the image of Jesus. When Adam was made, he was made to look like the Jesus that will come. When he said, let us make man in our image. Not in the spiritual image. That physical body was the reflection of what Jesus will look like when he will come. I hope you are getting my point. No, that's a matter of fact. Now, that first clay body that he made, one thought dropped in my head. I said, wow, perfect. When you want to mold metal, you know, mold things, you know, forging stuff, you have... You have what for them? A cast, a mold. You do something. Usually made of what? Clay. <laughs> Usually made of clay. It's not the clay you are looking for. No. You make that clay with the image of the thing you want to produce. What happened? It's not clear. If I want to make this phone, the casing of the phone, I made the clay. Having designed that metal case, they are now put that metal, multi-metal, into the clay. And when I am done many times, there are different ways. Many times, how do I get my substance out? I break the clay. Adam's body was not meant to endure forever. Eventually, it will have been broken. When the real man will have grown in him. The resurrection body is not an afterthought. That is the real thing the Lord was ever trying to produce. I hope you are getting my point. In the place of worship, let me tell you what's going on. The radiation, the, the spirit of his presence breaks down that clay and builds up the real man that God has placed inside us. Why do we worship him alone? 
Because anything you worship, you become like. Because anything you worship, you become like. So when God said, don't worship another God, it was for your own good. He said, you are going to become like a dead spirit. A dead God. A rebellious spirit. They are going to infuse into you the spirit of rebellion. None of those gods have any love in them. Later on we will see that. Let me close for today. Because where I'm going with this teaching is different aspects of our lives. We have to break down every foreign god. You see, many of the things in this world, they've created gods for us to worship. They have a business system that has mammon on top. There is no god that has love in them. There's none. Ogun doesn't have. Amadioha does not have. They don't have. Only the true God is love. Those are that God. That's why they take from you. They can't give you. They don't have to give. They just turn you into a corrupt version of the true God. You can't now really be what God made you to be. I'm going somewhere. So when we go into business as an example, and we start worshiping the God, that the, because every worship has a structure. So in business, they take by the bottom line. Everything is about what? Money. For that reason, the longer you stay in their system of worship, the more corrupt you'll be. The Bible says, because of the multitude of your merchandise, you will fill the center of you with violence. That's why a man came once to come and speak in Nigeria. I heard it. I felt angry that the pastor who brought him brought him. He started by trying to talk about principle of growth. He said, never love the company. The company can't love you back. I said, that's ungodly. How to grow in business. And his first rule is, don't love any company you are working in. He said, because they can't love you back. And I said, and somebody put this guy up front to talk to Christians? No. We are like our father. We love. You can't love us back. It's your problem. But we, we can love. The love of God has been shed that brought where? In our hearts. We have it in abundance. That's how we roll. That's our role. You can't take it away from us because of promotion. We'd rather fail than not work in love. Materially speaking now. No, the God we worship, you know what he's trying to do? It's simple. He, he's not gaining anything. What he wants is, by the time you are done with worship, now, please listen to what I want to say carefully. Listen to it carefully. God is saying, by the time you are done with worshiping me, you will be worthy of worship. You will be so like me. People will fall at your presence. You would have to tell them, no, I'm just a man like you. Don't worship me. That is it. See, you, you must understand how God is. When he gave us Jesus to be like, that we may walk in his footsteps. He said, because he was obedient even unto the point of death. Therefore, God highly exalted him. And gave him a name above every other name. What's the result? At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Listen, that's the ultimate. Jesus has taken that position. But let me tell you something. It gets to a point, you will worship the Lord. You will step into the business arena. Dangote will hear your name and he will get on his knees. I pray you catch what I say. You know what he means to hear somebody and get on his knees? He wants to do something, just say, No, what's your name? 
You just say, ah, no, but um, Samson said, you just, uh-huh. what did he say? They tell him what he said. He cancels his plans. Say, guys, it's dangerous. Don't go against that guy. Whatever he says, whatever he says, do it. That's what worship brings into your life. <laughs> God doesn't want people to worship so he can grow bigger. How he's, he's infinitely big. I like that song. You are king. That's how it goes. You are not just big. Oh. You are not just large. Oh. You are a great God. That song is inspired. <laughs> He's not looking for anything from anybody to make him bigger than he really is. If he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What they saying that every other God you have, they will corrupt you. They will turn you to their own image. I know the truth. They can't give you what you are looking for. They can't. The thing you are really looking for, they can't give. Let's leave it there. I pray the Lord allows us to continue and develop this one next time. We are talking about the first commandment. Let's give the Lord thanks because he's worthy to be worshipped. Let's worship him. Actually, he's worthy. He's worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy to be worshipped. Say to him, Jesus, I worship you. Father, I worship you. Jesus, I worship you. Father, I worship you. With my whole being, with my whole life, every aspect of me, Lord, for your worship. I worship no one else. Just you, Lord. Just you, Lord. I lift my hands in worship. I lift my heart in worship. My whole being, Lord, rises to worship you. You are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy to be worshipped. There is no God but you. There is no God but you. Hear, O Israel, you said, the Lord thy God is one. I thank you, Lord, because you have revealed your oneness to me. I thank you, Lord, because you have put your praise in my heart. Worship him, just worship him. Tell him words. Tell him words, Lord, I worship you. Lord, I worship you. You are good. You are great. All other gods, they will perish. They have nothing to offer. All other gods will perish. All other gods will perish. All other gods, they will perish. They have perished from my heart, Lord. Remove every, you know, every remnant of them. Every vestige of those gods out of my heart. Out of my heart. Out of my heart. I refuse to worship them. Anyone that goes after other gods, they forsake their own mercy. I will not forsake my own mercy. I refuse, Lord, to worship any other god. Apart from you. You are worthy, Lord. Lord, you are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy. You are worthy, therefore I worship you. With my whole heart. With every breath that I take. With every heartbeat. With every movement, everywhere I go. is in worship of you, Lord. Be magnified. You are highly exalted. Oh, Lord, we worship you. You are good. You are kind. We call you creator God. Alpha and Omega. There is none like you. You are the beginning. You are the ending. The Lord is the true God. He is the living God. And the eternal king. He said when he is angry, the earth quakes. And the nations cannot endure his indignation. He made the earth by his power. He established the world by his wisdom. 
By his understanding, he stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens. And it causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Those who go after other gods, they are stupid, devoid of knowledge. Their molten images are deceitful. There is no breath in them. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. Oh, the portion of Jacob is not like this. He is the maker of all things, including Israel. The true Israel of God, the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. We worship him. He is worthy to be worshipped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just shout hallelujah to him. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. You are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy, Jehovah. You are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy, Jehovah. You are worthy to be glorified. You are. Let's take it two more times. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy to be glorified. You are Jehovah. You are worthy to be glorified. You are. One more time. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy to glorified. You are worthy, Jehovah. You are worthy to be glorified.